Hello and welcome to the Stay Whole podcast. My name is Sanjay and I'm your host. What is Stay Whole? Stay Whole simply means returning our broken selves back to being whole. We are all broken in some way, shape or form. And with this podcast, my aim is to help you to return yourself to being whole again. For me, that means three things. Eat, live and move. Eat the foods that nourish your body. Live your life the way it was meant to be lived. And move your body the way it was designed to move. And through a combination of these three things, we can help ourselves to feel better and live a more productive and healthy life. Thanks for joining me. Hello, welcome to the Stay Whole podcast. My name's Sanjay, I'll be your host, and this is episode one. Uh, Not quite how I imagined starting my podcast, Um, but anyway, you know, the time is now, so I thought it's a a good time to talk about some of the subjects I wanted to talk about, um, given what's going on in the world. Um, What is Stay Whole? Stay Whole simply refers to us as human beings trying to remain whole. Uh, We are all broken in some way, shape or form, um, no matter what it might be. Um, So stay whole just represents, it's more of a reminder, I guess, to the things that we can do, the things that are in our control to help us to stay whole. Uh, and that's what the the website, the the blog posts that I, uh, I, I've been publishing and this podcast will be about. Um, yeah, I said this is not the ideal way that I envisaged to start my podcast. I had loads of, you know, plans and other articles related, I waited to publish and I had guests I wanted to speak to. I was supposed to be doing this with one of my really good friends um, and she's unfortunately not, not not too well at the moment. So I'm just going on without her, but she'll definitely be back uh, and joining me soon. Um, but given what's going on in the world at the moment, and if you're listening to this at some very far point in the future, I'm talking about, of course, the coronavirus and, and COVID-19 um, uh, you know, affecting the, the whole world. Uh, I thought it was a good time to touch on this very first subject that I want to talk about, which is stress. So I want to talk about stress and what we need to be doing to try and manage the stress in our lives. And of course, as I speak, as I'm recording this right now, sitting here in my living room in self-isolation, um, we've just yesterday or the day before was announced that schools are closing from next week. So um, you know, kids have got nowhere to go. Parents are being told to work from home if they can. Some parents are losing their jobs. There are you know, uncertainty about elderly people uh, being isolated, not enough food in the supermarkets. I mean, it's endless. So we talk about stress when this, when, when COVID-19 wasn't even on our, you know, we didn't even know what, what the letters meant. Um, there was enough stress around then. And now it's it's a testing time for everyone. So I thought it was an appropriate time to talk about it. And uh, let's get into it. So first of all, what is stress? It's an interesting question. And if you ask yourself what stress is, um, you might struggle to come up with an answer. I mean, you can clearly look up the word in the dictionary if you really want to, and it will tell you, you know, what stress is according to the dictionary. And in fact, I'm going to, um, I'm going to try and read out a definition of stress for you. Um, but see if you can, before I do that, see if you can think of a, of a definition yourself. See if you can think of uh, what it means to you in your life, because it's going to be different for all of us. So just on Google, if you type in stress definition, um, you know, it's a noun, it's the pressure or tension exerted on the material object. Uh, yeah, that, that sounds about right. Number two is probably more appropriate to what we're talking about. It's a state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from adverse or demanding circumstances. So we're talking about tension, we're talking about pressure, uh, we're talking about mental, so we're talking about the brain, 
But I, I think it's a little bit different in some ways to, to what the dictionary tells us. Um, I feel like stress is the way that the body responds to triggers in the environment. So what do I mean by that? Well, something happens, a trigger, and you or your body has a almost automated, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, almost an automatic reaction to that trigger. So I'll give you a real life example in my life. You know, I drive around a lot when I'm not self-isolated because of my work. And I'll often, you know, use motorways and busy roads um, and I'll pull onto the motorway and all of a sudden, a few minutes later, it's just, it's standstill traffic. And immediately I can feel the stress rising. I can feel the pressure, the tension, all those dictionary definitions are there. They're, they're, they're right there for me to, to experience. So my body's reacted to the fact that there's traffic in a way which we would deem as stressful. However, does that apply to everyone? And of course, the answer is no. Um, I'll be sat there with my wife, same journey, same car. We're under the same triggers in the environment. And we'll turn onto that motorway and traffic hits. And here I am getting all stressed and anxious and worrying about time. Are we going to be late? And there she is quite happily relaxed and you know not affected by the whole situation why why does it not affect her in the same way as it affects me well the simple answer is it's the way that i have chosen to respond in that moment in time now i said the words chosen to respond on purpose because even though i don't feel like i've chosen to respond that way and it just happens at some point in my past something has told me that that's the way to respond to that stressful trigger. And we're going to delve into this in a little bit more detail later on. So effectively, it's the way that we respond to our environment. So we can respond in a, in a helpful way, which is probably my wife in this scenario. Um, and we can respond in an unhelpful way. Now, that's a very, very simple uh, example of, of, of stress. However, I want to look a little bit further at what stress means or what its purpose is in life because you know we always say oh I just I wish I wish I wasn't so stressed I wish I didn't have all this stress and yeah we do want to eliminate stress to some degree um but do we need it is it something that we have to have in our life and and the, the answer is yes we do need stress um but what for why do we need stress again answer yourself that question is stress useful? And yes, of course, it is useful. Um, stress is, is needed. We need stress in our lives. It's important for us to have stress in our lives. Stress can act as either a motivator or it could uh, act as a, a, a protector. It can protect us in certain scenarios. So just think about any time that you've had to do uh, an exam or you know you had a job interview or had a very important business meeting a proposal a pitch um you know a public speaking engagement and you get those butterflies in your stomach and that little bit of feeling of nervousness well that's stress that's that's the stress telling you hey listen you're about to do something quite important so you need to step up you need to step up and and um and, and perform at your best so in those environments, stress helps as a motivator. Um, what about those times where you've been walking home um, in, 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 in the dark, you know, whether that's early morning or late night, and it's dark and you can hear your footsteps, but then you suddenly hear footsteps in the distance behind you. How do you feel in that moment? Stressed, yeah. That feeling of, there might be someone behind me. That, is stress. It's the response that your body has to, to make, again, to keep you on your toes, to make you think, hey, listen, there might be danger around. So just be careful. Uh, another example would be crossing the road, crossing a busy road. You know, if there's nowhere safe to cross, if you're overseas, for example, so I've frequented places like India a lot and you go there and, you know, it's chaos. Um, if you didn't have any stress, you'd just step into the road and you'd be hit by a rickshaw or a, or, yeah, or a bus. 
But when you're faced with that road, you're very careful. You feel the stress, you feel the tension, but you're alert, you're sharp, you're on point. You're trying to think, you're trying to see where the danger is. And then it's safe. Hopefully you safely navigate yourself across the road. And when you've crossed the road, the stress is gone. You feel, oh, thank God, that's, 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 I managed to cross the road. And the, the stress disappears, it dissolves. Um, and that's a key thing with stress that is good for us. It's there in short bursts. It's there when we need it. And when we don't need it, it simply goes away. So why is stress a problem then? Well, before we go into that, I want to go back and talk about this response to stress. And you may have heard this called uh, fight or flight, the fight or flight response. Where does that come from? Well, the fight or flight response is talking about our body's evolution or our, sorry, our biology's evolution um, and how we've evolved to deal with stress. And we have to go back, you know, this is not accurate, but, you know, 10, maybe 15,000 years ago. So 10, 15,000 years ago, our body had evolved. We'd, you know, we'd we'd got to a point where we were using tools and we were, you know, uh, hunting and we were fishing and we were um, maybe starting the, the early stages of agriculture and our body's evolution, the, the rapid pace it was evolving, it slowed down. I mean, we, we never stop evolving, so it, it drastically slowed down. So our body's response to stress was, the, was, was tailored to the stress that we had back then. So let's think back when we were hunter-gatherers. What was the stress? Well, an obvious stress would be the presence of a predator. You know, you're going off um, on your hunt um, uh, or your gathering, you're trying to look for some berries, some nuts, some, some fruit, and you're faced with the predator. Now, when you see that predator, what's the first thing that comes to your mind or what's the first response? It's that same <gasps> feeling, as, as, as I mentioned, when you're walking down the street, that <gasps> sudden intake of breath. That's the stress response kicking in. OK, so what is this stress response? Well physiologically there's a few things that happen there are a number of hormones that have to be released and, and the first one that we may have heard of is, is is called cortisol now cortisol is known as the stress hormone and when you are faced with stress your levels of cortisol in your body rise in your blood the next response is another hormone called adrenaline okay you may have come across the term adrenaline when you hear about you know, adrenaline junkies who are, you know, adrenaline thrill seeking, you know, people jumping out of planes and doing crazy things. And yeah, that's all a a big dose of adrenaline that they're trying to chase there. But adrenaline is actually a stress hormone and it's responded or it's released, sorry, in response to stress. So you have cortisol rises, adrenaline rises. Think about when you've been stressed, what are the other symptoms that you've experienced as a result of stress? Well, often we think of our heart rate increasing. So your heart rate goes up. You have that sudden intake of breath. (gasps) Well, that could be your breathing rate increasing. So as your heart rate goes up, your breathing rate increases. What else is happening? Your blood pressure might go up. That happens in a lot of people. You might start to sweat, get clammy hands. And whatever have had that clammy hands feeling, whether it's before an interview or, you know, any other times of stress, you might get those clammy hands. So we've got heart rate, breathing rate, blood pressure, sweat. These are all things that physiologically are happening inside you, the rise of these four things. Well, why do those four things rise? Is it? Is there a reason for that? Do we need those four things to rise? Well, there must be a reason for that. Our body doesn't do anything without a reason. So think about this. Let's go back to that fight or flight. There's a predator. You're walking down the road. You have an option. You can fight or you can flight. You can run away. So let's say say you chose the daft option, which was to fight. So here you are. You go into a fight with with the predator. Let's think about those responses now. Would it be useful to have extra blood? being pumped around your body i.e your heart rate increasing so you can getting more blood to the muscles and to the cells into the brain yes it would be in a fight with a with a predator blood pressure going up would it be useful for extra blood to be going into your brain so you can think clearly in that moment when you're trying to defeat this predator 
Again, yes, it would be useful to have that. Your breathing rate going up. Would it be useful to have extra oxygen coming into the lungs so your blood can then distribute that oxygen to the muscles that are going to be used while you're fighting this predator? And again, yes, it would be useful. Um, sweat. You're going into a fight with a predator. Would it be useful to start sweating so that your body can start to cool down quicker? Remember, sweating is just the mechanism for our bodies to cool down. It's almost like your body's internal air conditioning um, system. So, yes, again, it would be useful to, to have a little bit of sweat so you can stay cool while you're trying to fight this predator. Now, what's going to happen in, in, a, in a short space of time? Well, more, more than likely you're going to be killed or eaten alive. And I don't know this for a fact, but I'm guessing when you're dead, the stress goes away. There's no stress when you're dead. So the stress goes away. Give you the benefit of the doubt. You defeat the predator somehow. Maybe there's an army of you. Maybe other people come and help you to defeat the predator. How are you going to feel in that, in that very first moment when you realize that you've killed this predator? Ah, it's that relief, isn't it? Again, think about that, that time when you've come home from work. It's been a crazy day or a week or a long commute. There's been delays. You get home and you sit down and it's the, ah, well, that, that's simply all of those things that I talked about going up, your blood pressure your heart rate, your breathing rate, your cortisol, your adrenaline. That's all of those things lowering in the body. <sighs> Everything goes down and you feel, okay, I'm feeling a little bit more relaxed now. So in the case of that predator, the stress was there. The response helped you to defeat the predator. Once the predator was defeated, stress goes away and in the case of a predator, you, if you're able to eat that predator, then you've got food. So you don't have to worry about food. Wonderful. Good. So we've got a happy solution here. Um, let's say we took the safer option, which would be to run away, to flight. So again, let's think about those responses. Would it be useful to have more blood circulating around your body to your muscles when you're running away? Yes, of course it would. Would it be useful to have more oxygen in the way of breathing heavier and, and getting more oxygen to the lungs so that your muscles can work and help you to run further? Yes, it would. Blood pressure to the brain. Yes, it would. Um, sweating again to cool you down so you can run for longer. Yes, this would be useful. Absolutely, this would be useful. So again, in that scenario, those responses are there to help you. What happens after a short period of time? Well, again, same as the 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 the, the hunt or the being being hunted by a predator. You've got two choices. You're either going to get caught and you're going to die, stress goes away, or give you the benefit of the doubt, you manage to run away successfully or you hide and the predator goes and, and, and there's no danger anymore. What's that feeling going to be like? That instant you realize that that predator is no longer around. Again, it's that, oh, it's everything coming back down and everything goes back to normal and off you go in your merry way. So let's fast forward to 2020 and I've already mentioned you know, what's been going on in the world at the moment. Where is that stress? What are we being attacked by? We're not being attacked by wild animals. We're simply being attacked by our own lives. From the moment you wake up in the morning, and if you're like me, and, and I, know this, this is, I know this is a habit I'm trying to change, but you use your phone as an alarm clock. First thing in the morning, big, strange noise goes off. <gasps> there's, a, there's a jolt of stress straight away. Now, the bad thing about using your phone as an alarm clock is when you go to switch it off or when you go to pick it up and you're holding it, you're going to have that lovely notification screen, which is going to be, you know, filled with so-and-so liked your Instagram post or so-and-so made a comment on your Facebook post or, um, you know, your bosses and message you or emailed you in the middle of the night telling you you have to come to work early or something you did yesterday was done incorrectly and you need to fix it. Um, you know, you might look at the weather forecast as I do and think, oh God, it's raining and it means there's going to be delays on the road and it's going to be wet. And oh, you know, I haven't even got out of bed yet. I'm still in bed. The day hasn't started. My stress levels, my cortisol, my adrenaline, my heart rate, my breathing rate, my blood pressure, my sweat, all of this is still happening in the background, albeit maybe not on the same level as when you're actually fighting a predator, but it's happening. You haven't got out of bed yet. 
you get out of bed. Your partner's in the bathroom. You get annoyed. More stress. You can't find your kid's lunchbox. Your daughter doesn't want to brush her teeth. Welcome to my world. That's the struggle I'm going through at the moment. You force her to brush her teeth. She won't put her clothes on. You're getting more and more stress. It is raining outside and you're trying to rush. You haven't got out of the house yet and there's all this little small doses of stress attacking your system. Your brain doesn't know any different, by the way. It still thinks you're being attacked or you're running away from the animal. So all those responses are still happening in the background. You get you, you eventually leave the house. There is the traffic. There is the delays. You're late for work. More stress. You get to work. You've got to deal with the problems that you you, you had to deal with uh, from from yesterday that you did think something you didn't do properly. Your boss wants to speak with you. Stress, stress, stress. It's just constant. You know, I could go through the whole day, but you get the idea. It is constant. It is what we call chronic stress. Now, when we have chronic levels of stress, that response of cortisol, adrenaline, heart rate, blood pressure, sweating, breathing, they are there. They are constantly happening. So blood pressure, increased raised levels of blood pressure. People that have highly stressful lives, we see that those people have higher blood pressure than the norm. We see that people who have chronic levels of stress in their lives have faster heartbeats and heart rates. Okay, so we can see that there's a correlation there. There's one thing I forgot to admit when I talked about the responses. You need oxygen. You need blood flow. You need to cool down. What's the one other thing that you think you would need if you're fighting or running away from a predator? Of course, it's energy. Now, this is where the problem in modern society comes. So one of the th- responses to stress is an increase of glucose into your blood. So your liver is very, very smart. It detects this stress response and it says, hey, here, have a little bit of glucose so that you have some energy to fight or run away from your predator. Would that be useful? Absolutely, it would be useful. So the glucose levels rise in the body. Now, fast forward to today's modern society and, and being attacked by our lives. Every scenario that I've mentioned, and you can you probably have many, many more, um, where we're feeling that stress, your liver is just trickling a little bit of extra glucose into your blood. So let's take that traffic situation. I, we've pulled onto the motorway and there's loads of traffic and I'm getting angry and you know, screaming and shouting because whatever's happened. Is it useful to have extra blood flow to my brain, to my muscles, to my heart, to my cells? Is it extra, is it useful to have the extra oxygen going to those areas? Does it, is it useful to have my breathing rate go up? Is it useful to have that extra glucose? Do I need that glucose sat there in a car in a sedentary position? No, I don't. I don't need any of those things. However, I've decided to respond in that way. And therefore, my body is going to do its job properly. It's going to respond in that right way. So why is this a problem? Well, let's let's look at that response of glucose. If your body is constantly trickling glucose into your blood, then you have to do something with that glucose. Now, in the case of fight or flight being actually chased by an animal, more than likely, you're going to use that glucose up. However, sat in a car, sat at your desk, sat at home, standing on the tube waiting to get on because it's overcrowded, going to the supermarket and queuing for six hours because, you know, people are going mad and buying all the food in sight. You don't need all those responses. You don't need the cortisol, the adrenaline in that moment. But your body's still giving it to you. Now, with the glucose, if it's not being used up, then where does it go? Well, most of the time, what that's going to happen is that extra glucose, once your body's realized, hey, this glucose is still floating around in the blood, he hasn't done anything with it, it's simply going to send it back to the liver and the liver's going to store it. And the liver's going to store it most likely as fat. So when we have chronic levels of stress, i.e. constant stress, there's never a respite in our day, then your body is simply in fat storage mode 
effectively. What it's doing is it's just releasing glucose, waiting for a while. You're not using the glucose. I'm going to store it. Oh, he just got annoyed again. Here's the glucose. He's not using the glucose. Oh, I'm going to store this again. So we have this vicious cycle of glucose being released and being stored. And that can lead to things like weight gain. And if not addressed with the correct exercise, food, stress management and sleep, obviously extra weight gain can lead to things like obesity. Obesity can lead to things like type 2 diabetes and heart disease. So you can see the knock-on effect here is huge. Um, in response to that glucose is another hormone that's released, and that's called insulin. And the role of insulin here is to simply open the door to the cells that need that glucose. So when glucose is put into your bloodstream, either by yourself when you've eaten some food or via your liver in that stress response, insulin is released immediately to help send that glucose or direct that glucose to where your body needs it. So in the case of where you're running, your body will simply, or the, the insulin would direct the, the glucose to the muscles that are exercising in that moment, um, which is fine. But in the case of sitting in a traffic jam, sitting at your desk, sitting at home, whatever it might be, the insulin is simply gonna direct that glucose to your fat cells and say, hey, store this because he doesn't need it right now. And that can be a problem, as you can see. And the insulin response, the continuous response of insulin, over time, if that continues to happen, then your pancreas, which is the organ responsible for, for releasing insulin, your pancreas can get damaged. It can stop working. Too much insulin can lead to things like insulin resistance, which can lead to type 2 diabetes, which I'll, I'll talk about that in a lot more detail in another episode. But we can see that that stress response is causing a lot of problems. So if you've ever come across, and I've come across this in my professional life, but actually you know, a, a lot of times, and I mentioned this in the article that I write or I've written about stress, in that I used to have clients who you know, would pay me for, for personal training and they'd be working for, with me for, a, for quite a while. You know, and they'd listen to the advice, they'd do the exercises, they'd do the workouts, they'd change their diet, they'd be eating the right foods but their body just doesn't want to shift any weight, not even a pound, not even a kilo. And they'd get quite despondent. And at first, early on in my career, I was quite skeptical. I was very, uh, what's the, I don't know the right word to say here, but I was very, um, I, I never trusted what someone told me. So if they said, oh yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm doing the exercise. I'm, I'm eating the right food. I'm drinking my water. Uh, I wouldn't believe them. I'd be like, ah, you're not doing it. If you were doing it, then your weight would go down. That's simply how I thought about things. Black and white. And that's no fault of my own. That's just the way we're taught. You know, that's the way you're taught when you study you know, sports and exercise science and you study nutrition and you study all these things. There's very little about stress and what it does to your body. So you just think, well, hey, if you're doing the right things, then you should be okay. But actually, as I learn more and more about this, when I sat, sit, started to sit down with people before I started working out with them, I would ask them questions about their life, about their stress. And at first, people were wondering, why, why is a personal trainer asking me about the levels of stress in my life? Well, it is relevant because why do people exercise? One of the reasons is to, to lower stress levels. It makes you feel good. It, it, there's a hormonal response there as well, which is almost the opposite of the of the stress response. It's, a, it's the feel-good response, isn't it? It's the endorphins and, and the feeling of, ah, oh, this is great. This feels good. Yeah. So when I ask people about their stress and I can see that they've got chronic levels of stress in their lives, I would forewarn them and say, hey, look, you know, it's all good and well coming to me and, and, and uh, doing the exercise and working out and, and maybe changing your diet, eating more vegetables, you know, doing all the right things. But you have to do something about managing that stress. And that's often where people are just perplexed. They're like, well, I can't do anything about it. That's got nothing to do with me. The stress is being caused by, you know, my boss or by my wife or husband or my kids or, or my neighbor who plays music until whatever it is in the morning. And, and this can go on. You can name all your stresses there. So what I want to talk about next is 
to make people realize that you are in control. You are totally in control of managing your response or doing something to lower the levels of stress in your life. So how do we deal with this problem of stress? Now, before you all start jumping up and down and again, you know, um, pointing the finger at the stress is, is not in your control. And, and you're absolutely right. And, and before we get into this, we have to understand that in this world, uh, there are things that you, you can control. And there's a, there's a greater list of things that you can't control. And often when we talk about stress, people are, are looking at those things that we can't control. Well, I can't control the weather, Sanjay. I can't control the traffic. I can't help it if my boss is an absolute, insert derogatory term here. Uh, I can't help it if, you know, my kids are screaming and whatever it might be. So so I can't. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. And, and that, that, there's, that is true. Like I said, for all the things that we probably can control, there's... Uh, hundred to one uh, things that we can't control. However, the one thing that you are in complete control of, as long as you're of relatively sane mind and, and, and you know, there's no serious underlying mental health issues, but the one thing you are in control of in this world is yourself. You decide the choices that you make in your life. Now, this is pretty obvious when you think about things like food and exercise. You know, and I often say to people, you know, are you in control of the food that you put in your mouth? They say, yes, but there's marketing and there's buy one get one free offers, and you know, I, I, that's fine. Ultimately, you are the person that decides to put that piece of food into your mouth. Similarly, are you in control of the exercise or the physical activity that you do in your life? And again, it's often yes, but yes, but my knees hurt if I do too much or yes, but I have a shoulder problem or yes, but I have a back issue. Yes, of course, these issues are are, are there. I'm not, listen, I'm not belittling anyone that's got any form of physical limitations or injuries or, uh, or whatever it may be. We all have them. I have them myself. But there's always something you can do and you are in control of that. So when it comes to stress, my question is not, are you in control of the stress? My question is this, and listen to the question carefully. Are you in control of managing the stress that's in your life? And the answer is yes. Now You may not understand why the answer is yes, and hopefully we can help you to understand that. But you are in control of that and you are in control of the way that you respond to stressful triggers. You are in control of not reacting emotionally with food in a stressful situation. You are in control of, because of a stressful day, deciding you don't want to go for your run tonight. You're in control of that. The, the triggers, the influences, those external factors may play a part in your decision-making process, but ultimately it's up to you. And with managing stress, it's exactly that. It's, we're not, I'm not saying we're going to erase the stress, because look, hey, modern life is modern life. There is stress. I talked about phones, and yet technology has brought us a wonderful, um, wonderful solutions in the form of mobile phones and labor-saving devices and all these things, but it also has made us quite lazy. However, we can't control all those things, but we can control the way that we interact with them. We can control the way that we use these things, and that's important to understand. So we're not in control of people, things, weather, but we're in control of ourselves. And once we start to realize that and we become more aware, and I'm going to use this word awareness a lot throughout this podcast and, and, and many episodes to come, because it's all about that. It's all about knowing, well, why, why am I responding in this way? Have you ever stopped to think? Probably not. Because, you know, I have I have my fair share of issues and you know, I've mentioned the traffic and that's a genuine one for me. I, I For some reason, I just 
respond very negatively into the trigger of traffic. So I tried to do lots of things to try and overcome it. But I stopped and asked myself why. It must have come from somewhere. It must have. It can't just have manifested itself. Now, usually these things, and again, look, I'm no psychologist. I'm no um, you know, expert on this. You know, uh, this is, I'm just talking about my own life experiences and what I've learned along, along my journey of, of many decades of being alive. Um, is that somewhere along the line, I witnessed this response to traffic or, you know, someone cutting you up or someone not giving way to you. And what I witnessed was uh, uh, what we would determine now as a stressful response, you know, anger, um, getting annoyed, frustration. Um, and I know in my life where I saw that and, you know, just spent a lot of time driving around in cars as a, as a young kid. I love being in the car, I love looking outside the window and going on road trips. I used to, I used to really look forward to them as a, as a kid. Um, but it's the experiences you see, you know, I went on a speed awareness course the other day and they, and they asked the question, when do you, when does, when does someone learn, first learn to drive? And everyone's shouting out numbers, but the answer is you first learn to drive when the first time you sit in a car. Now you probably don't remember the first time you sat in a car because you were probably a very small baby, but when you do start to become aware, that's when you learn how to drive. Remember you're, we are a product of our environment. So the things that I saw around me, at that young age are the things that have you know manifested themselves in my in my later in my later years um so i may not be aware initially that this is what's caused it but once i am aware and i'm aware that actually you know what i can do something about it then i can start to think about what i can do and it's that awareness that is so crucial it's so crucial i mean think about it you know a lot of people uh, I work with get a, a diagnosis of being uh, pre-diabetic, which just simply means that their blood glucose is starting to go, starting to go up and, and, and get higher in their blood. And if they don't do anything about it, they could end up as a, as a, as a type two diabetic. And these may be on the surface, perfectly healthy people. But when you ask them the question, upon first diagnosis of that and saying, hey, do you, are you aware of why this has happened? Most people don't know. They just think, oh, well, it must be age or it must be it's in my family or, you know, I, I, and they don't really have an answer. And after we work with them for a period of nine months, we ask them the same question again. Are you aware now of what caused your blood glucose to rise? And they're like, yes, I know. Now I understand why it happened. Okay, so now are you also aware of what you can do about it? Yes, absolutely. I know I need to eat a good diet. I need to get more physical activity and I need to manage my stress. I need to get better sleep. Once they become aware, you can do something about it. And it's the same if you if you go into other other you know other areas such as things like addiction. You know, if you've worked with anyone that's got any form of addiction, the the first step of recovery is admitting that you have a problem. And until that person admits that they have an issue, no matter how much you tell them, they're not going to listen. Once they become aware for themselves, not, in, not becoming aware that they're drinking a lot of alcohol, because I'm sure they deep down know, yeah, I'm drinking a lot of alcohol. But once they become aware inside their own heart that, hey, this is a problem, that's the moment when that person will do something about it. Now, it may be, that moment may come as a result of someone telling them something. It may come as a result of seeing an advert on TV about how smoking is bad for you or what alcohol does to you or what this does to you, whatever it might be. It may be as a result of a, a routine you know, chat with a doctor or, or in a hospital. Whatever that, whatever that moment is, or whatever triggers that moment, they've become aware. So now we have to do something about it. And that really, for me, isn't the hardest part. That's actually probably one of the easiest part. The hardest part is getting that awareness. Uh, and, you know, there's other tools that we can, we'll, we'll explore uh, as this podcast progresses in further episodes of, of, of what we can do um, to, to get to that level of awareness. However, once you've got that awareness, it's time to put it into action. It's time to do something about it. It's time to do something with that knowledge. Um, and I often... When I often talk about this, people 
throw up objections all the time. So um, I'm going to do this in reverse almost and say, look, what do we do about it? Well, you're in control of managing your stress. So just think about that. Just think of the question and and unattach it to anything we've spoken about right now. Let's forget about the stress. Let's forget about the definitions and the, the responses. Let's just ask, ask yourself this one simple question. What can I do in my life to reduce the stress? Or what can I do? In, what, let's think of it another way. What would, what would be the opposite of stress, if that makes sense? Well, to me, in my mind, the opposite of stress is relaxation. So what would I do to increase the relaxation in my life? The, 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 the answers here are endless. Well, we could, in my case, I like to exercise. I like to go for walks in nature along the canal where I live, go and feed the ducks. I like to go on bike rides. Sometimes I like reading. It helps me relax at nighttime. I do some mindfulness and meditation as part of my daily routine. Uh, I might have a hobby. I, I, I mean, exercises and, and, and writing and reading about health and fitness is a hobby for me, so that, that's a hobby for me. And I'm engaged in that. My mind is taken away. I don't feel stressed. I feel quite quite invigorated. Uh, you might just talk to someone. You know, I've had a stressful day, and you just call up your best friend or your mum or your dad or whoever, your neighbour, and just have a little rant about how you feel. Now I do that, and, and my poor wife has to... Um, hear it all the time and, and she's amazing she'll just and she'll just sit there and she'll listen and, and she'll let me vent and and I feel better already and I'm sure you've had that experience um you might be talking to someone in more of a, a professional capacity maybe some sort of therapist counselor that's okay if that's your outlet um so some people like to talk yoga um you know again it's a form of exercise but you know there's loads of things now I said most people come up with an objection uh, so if I said to someone, hey, listen, in order to manage your stress in your life, you need to do one of those things that I've just mentioned. What do you think is the biggest ob- objection or obstacle that they're going to come up with? Yeah, I don't have time. I don't have time, Sanjay, to do exercise. I don't have time to take up a hobby because I've got kids to look after. I've got elderly parents to look after. I've got work. I've got patients i've got clients i've got x y you you know whatever it might be i've got to look after my friends so what they're effectively saying to me is the time that they do have they are using that time to benefit other people right I've got to look after my kids. I've got to cook for them. I've got to clean for them. I've got to make food for my husband or wife who's going to be coming home from work. I've got to do the housework. I've got to do the laundry. I've got to go and check in on my parents. I've got to make sure now, especially, you know, make sure my parents have got food because of, you know, there's a shortage in the supermarket. I've got to, um, you know, look after my child now that they're not going to be at school. I don't have time for all this. So what I'll say to that person is this. What you're saying to me is you're trying to be the best mother, the best father, the best employee, the best neighbor, the best son or daughter, the best friend, you know, the, the best, you know, whatever it might be, enter job title here. You're trying to be the best of those people for other people. Well, how can you be the best mother, father, brother, sister, whatever it might be? for other people if you're not the best version of yourself just sit and think about that for a moment if you're not the best version of yourself how are you going to be the best version of all those things for everyone else and the simple answer is you're not going to be you're not you're going to burn yourself out you're going to increase the levels of stress in your life and it's only going to compound itself and get worse and then worst the case scenario you're going to end up with a whole host of other health issues as a result of stress in your life so doing something about the stress is vital it's crucial not just for you but for those around you now this is particularly true when you have young children i've learned this um, unfortunately the hard way but i've learned it in that you have a child a baby a toddler 
and you know they can pick up on how you are feeling they know when you are not 100% happy or they know when you are happy they know when you're sad they know when something's not quite right and it's not just kids obviously adults can pick up on this but the fact that kids can do it that's saying something in fact i mean i'm not a dog owner but i know many dog owners and they say that their dog knows I mean, dogs don't even communicate with us in in, in the way that we converse with language. But they can. They say, "My dog knows when I've had a bad day, and he, you know, he runs, rushes up to me, and comes and sits on my lap because he he knows I've had a hard day." Well, if dogs and babies and you know toddlers can pick up on this stuff, other people will too. So it's crucial that we get a hold of this. Think of it another way. Imagine uh, I'll use this analogy of a of a bucket. Imagine you're a bucket, an empty bucket. And I place that bucket under a, a, a tap and I slowly turn the tap on. Now, the water is flowing from the tap into the bucket, into yourself. That water is the stresses in our life. It's all the things that we can't control. It's the things maybe we can control, but we're not aware of them. And that bucket starts to rise as the water level, as the water obviously falls into the bucket. What's going to happen when that water level reaches the top and the tap isn't turned off? It's going to overflow. How does that overflowing of stress manifest itself in us as a, as a human being? Well, in many different ways. It could be an outburst of anger. It could be crying or a breakdown. It could be going into depression or withdrawal. It could be uh, emotional overeating. Uh, it could be, you know, silent. There's a n- number of things that can manifest itself. So we don't want to live our lives with that water level close to the top or even overflowing. Some of us are living our lives every day. That water level is just constantly overflowing. And, you know, we would, again, I'm not here to clinically diagnose anything, but I would typically think that if that's the case, then someone is either clinically or suffering some form of depression or anxiety. And again, I've seen this in my own um, surroundings, in my own uh, circle of life uh, happen. So we want to try and avoid that from happening. Now, what would happen to that same bucket if it was empty again? I start turning the tap on. The stresses of our lives are still there. I'm not saying I'm going to get rid of them. But I start to punch some holes into that bucket. What's going to happen now as the water level rises? Well, obviously, the water, as it rises, it reaches a hole. Some of it will flow out. As the water level rises higher, there's another couple of holes. More water will flow out. So hopefully, the level of that water will never reach the top and never overflow. However, it could still overflow. Because what would happen if I turn that tap on full blast? It's more than likely that a couple of small holes may not be enough to let enough water out and the bucket could still overflow. Now that ex- extreme example of t- turning the tap on full blast is probably like a, 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 a rare uh, traumatic incidents that happens in our life. So it could be, um, you know, a death, a bereavement in the family or friends. It could be uh, a car accident or, or any kind of accident or trauma that we've suffered. Um, it could be the diagnosis of, uh, of a serious illness. You know, these are the things that maybe cause us to overflow in a moment where we, we may seem relatively calm. So, yes, I'm not saying it's never going to overflow. But if you don't have those holes in your bucket, then you're always living close to the, the edge or always living um, uh, with that water flowing over. Now, those holes in your bucket are the things that I mentioned before. Exercise, reading yoga, meditation, find a hobby. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, something that you've never done before. I often ask people, look, what is it? What did you used to do? Maybe when you were a child or maybe when you were younger that you really enjoyed doing that you don't do now. You know, and it could be something simple as, you know, um, I don't know. I asked my wife this question, actually, and she's like, I used to love coloring in. It's like, great. And she went and bought herself a, one of these adult coloring books. I didn't even know they existed. But when I went to the, the, the bookshop or when I went on, we went online and had a look, there was hundreds of them. 
Adult coloring books. And what's the what's the premise behind them? Helps to reduce stress. So it could be something as simple as coloring. It could be, you know, a, a, a gentleman that I spoke to once, and he said, "Oh yeah, I used to um, I used to love racing uh, radio control cars." Well, great. Have you got a radio control car now? No. Why not? Go and get one. Spend some time for you. Look, this is this is about looking after you, so you can be the best person for everyone else around you. What do they? Anyone that's been on a plane before and they do a safety demonstration, they often talk about when they're talking about the life vest or the oxygen mask come down. What are the instructions, specific instructions that you will hear every single time, no matter what airline, no matter what country? The instructions are, put the vest on yourself first before you help others. Place the mask on yourself first before you help others. Be the best version of yourself before you try and help others. That's what they're saying. In other words, if you don't protect yourself and you end up dying and you've saved your child, who's going to look after your child when you're not there? And that's the brutal reality of it. But that's effectively what they mean. So in, let's bring that back to our life. If you're there and you're trying to be this, this parent, this super parent. And unfortunately, in my own life, I know my parents both have worked. They worked tirelessly their entire lives to provide for us, to make sure we had food on the table, to make sure we had clothes. We didn't have a lot of money, but my, but my mom and dad and you know, his brother and my, my, his brother's family, they had a business together and they worked really hard for us. And at the time, I couldn't see it, but I appreciate all the things that they have done. But they neglected themselves and their health. You know, they worked all of the hours that God sent. They ate whatever they had to eat to survive. And unfortunately, now in older age, they're, they're suffering from, from a, a number of health issues because they didn't look after themselves. So if you're that parent now with that toddler, just ask yourself this. What am I doing to put holes in my bucket? And only you can answer that question. And only you can find the solution because I can't sit here and say to you, you must go and, you know, take up yoga. You must go and start running. You must start doing mindfulness and meditation. No, that's entirely up to you. But yes, all those things will help. And if you've never tried them, I would say give them a go. Uh, and I'll talk about this in a, in, a, in a future episode. But I just want to leave you with this. Be the best version of yourself. And think about how you can create those holes in your life.